So I had an idea. I asked our staff earlier in the week. I said, all right, how can we get the whole Kansas City community to our building? Who could we invite to speak on grand opening other than me um, who would draw people? Someone who's a Christian, but they're not known for being a Christian. They're just known by everyone. Who could we invite that would bring everyone in this community to the building so they could see this awesome space that, that God has given us. And our team started giving back answers. My wife was the first one to respond. She said, um, Chip and Joanna Gaines. She's like, man, if you invited the fixer-upper people, like the community would show up. Tara Stafford, our, our uh, nursery director, said we should invite Candace Cameron Bure. There, you know, there's a whole full house crowd that now is watching Fuller House. Um, that would draw a lot of people. A couple of our guy staff members chimed in one after another and said we should invite Tim Tebow. If he came, um, a lot of people would come. Unfortunately, he's trying out for baseball this week. Um, basketball, I think, next year. Major League Soccer after that, and then he'll be working towards the Olympics in four years. But maybe after then, um, we'll be able to have Tim come be a part of what we're doing. Uh, our church planning resident, Pastor Brandon Reeves, said, what about Chuck Norris? Um, because I think he wanted everyone in John Knox Village to come and see our church and be a part of, uh, of what God is doing um, we had people say Gabby Douglas, Manny Pacquiao. Our kids director scared me a little bit because the person working with our elementary school students said, what about Justin Bieber? Um, and I just said, you know, like I know a lot of people know Justin Bieber, um, but I, you know, I don't know what he would have to say about Jesus. I don't follow him that closely, but probably he wouldn't be the best one. I'm 99% sure that your children today, like 99.9% sure that your children are learning about Jesus that there won't be anything about Justin Bieber. But if there is, is it too late now to say sorry? Um, you know, so for those of you who don't get that, we're still working on trying to get Chuck Norris here um, in a few months. So maybe, maybe we can do that. So we had all these names like flying around, right? And, uh, and then Pastor Scott, like I believe the Holy Spirit spoke from God to Pastor Scott. And he said, what about Carrie Underwood? And it was like, ah, yes, you know, wise one. It's like, yeah, care. Um, I was like, that's a great idea. It's like, I'll text her. And my wife immediately was like, I told you to stop acting like she's your girlfriend. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't even like her anymore. You know, she just has great legs, voice. She just has a great voice. And I would love to see her voice walk across the stage. I think that would bring a lot of people in Kansas City to come and see our church. So we were throwing out names. But I said, I think I've got the best name. Um, I think... If Jesus were here, like if the real historical Jesus, like the real human being Jesus, if he were speaking at our first service, not only people in Kansas City, people from around the world, if Jesus made one more appearance on planet earth to speak, the world would stop to listen because he is still by far the most intriguing human being that's ever lived. Because if he is who Christians say he is, and if he really did what the Bible says that he did, it just changes everything. So I thought I would let Jesus speak today, not the person of Jesus, but the words of Jesus. If you have your Bible in Luke chapter 4, Jesus never celebrated a grand opening of a church, but he did speak a first message in his home church. And in Luke chapter 4, we find that. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, um, you can use our church's app. It's loaded all the scripture references and notes today. Take the sermon notes out of your bulletin so you can follow along this morning. Even if you don't take notes and aren't interested in learning, you'll know when the service is coming close to an end because the notes will almost be done. So if you're thinking how much longer, just grab the notes. And when we get near the end, we're almost finished. Um, but I want to share with you today... The words of Jesus on his grand opening. Because Jesus had one chance to introduce himself to the world and say, here's who I am. And our church has one grand opening 
to introduce ourselves to the community to say, here's who we are. So I thought we would let Jesus tell us who we are because here's what I want you to know. If you're brand new, I want you to know that our church revolves around Jesus and the mission of Jesus. And today we'll help you see that. Um, If you've been around a long time, um, I want you to be reminded why we built this building, why our church exists, and how our mission revolves around Jesus. So in Luke chapter 4, here's what we read. It says, Jesus, starting in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee. That's, a town, that's kind of an area in northern Israel. In the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus in Luke chapter 4, I wish I had time to teach you everything I have learned about Luke chapter 4 because it's amazing what Jesus came and said and did on this day. But there are three things in Luke chapter 4 that I believe apply to our church today on our grand opening during this special service that I want to share with you because what happened to Jesus in Luke chapter 4 may happen to you today if these things in your world kind of line up like they did 2,000 years ago. What are those things? First, we see in Luke chapter 4 that this was the right time for Jesus to give this message. This was the right time in his life to step into this role. Is it possible that today is the right time for you to step into a spiritual journey that you haven't been on coming into today? Is it possible? I I just want you to consider for a moment. Is it possible that everything in your life that has happened up to this moment has happened to bring you to this time in your life so that you could connect to Jesus in a significant way. Because Luke wants us to understand that this was a distinct and special time in Jesus' life. Now, let me tell you about Luke. Luke is a spiritual outsider. Maybe you're here today and you would consider yourself a spiritual outsider. If you're a spiritual outsider, Luke is your guy. The New Testament part of Scripture has 27 books. Only two of the authors that wrote those books were not Jewish people born and raised in religious tradition. One was named Luke and one was named Mark. Maybe you're in here today and you've been born and raised in religious traditions. You've heard it all. What I've just said to you is nothing new. But maybe you're like Luke. You don't have a long religious tradition. Your mom and dad didn't go to church. Grandma and grandpa didn't go to church. It's not Spiritual things are not really your thing. You're just here because someone offered to buy you lunch if you came to church with them or you've been curious about what this building looks like as you've driven by it. Or maybe you had a need that you thought, maybe I've tried everything else in my life to fill it. Maybe church is the answer. Luke was a spiritual outsider. I don't think studying history that Luke ever met Jesus. I don't think personally he ever met him. But by studying the life of Jesus... Studying the teaching of Jesus and getting around the people of Jesus, Luke's life was radically changed forever. Could today be the right time for that journey to begin for you? You see, Luke wanted us to know that God had appointed this time in Jesus' life. And there's something about the timing, two things that Luke wanted us to know that's really, really important this morning. In Luke chapter 3, right before Jesus went home to preach this message, 
Luke says two things you need to know. Luke, 20, Luke 3, 23. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 when he began to minister. Some of you say, so what? Can you remember 30 in your rearview mirror? Can you see 30 in your future? Some of you are here and you're not 30 yet. Some of you are here and you're kind of living through that season. Some of you had doubled 30 and you're looking back on You remember 30? Luke says Jesus was about 30. It's like, okay, so? Well, Luke wants us to know that Jesus was 30 because age 30 was the age that a priest could begin to officially serve God in the temple. Age 30 was the time that a man could choose on his own to serve God. Luke also wanted us to know in verse 38, as he said, Jesus was related to, and he just went from grandpa to great-grandpa to great-great-great-great-great-great, all the way down. He said, Jesus was related to Enosh, Seth, Adam, and God. Luke said, you need to know Jesus was 30, and you need to know that basically Jesus was descended from God. It was as if God had intended for Jesus at some point in time to intentionally step into God's greater plan for the world. And since the beginning, Jesus' life was planned. Do you believe that since the beginning of the world, your life was planned? You might not. I do. I believe that for you. But for Jesus, this was the right time. Jesus' life was intended to be lived with purpose for God. And 30 was the right time. Let, let me ask you, could today be the right time for your symbolic 30? You say, What's, what, is it, what do you mean by symbolic 30? Why did a priest have to be 30? David didn't become king of Israel until he was 30. Ezekiel wasn't called to become a prophet until he was 30. Joseph wasn't put in his rank in Egypt, Old Testament Joseph, until he was 30. What is it about 30 biblically that is a special time, that is a symbolic time? Well, 30 was kind of the time when a man broke away from his family and began to stand on his own two feet. 30 was the time when maybe he'd been married for a little while, he'd had children, He'd experienced some heartache. He'd experienced some good and some bads. And 30 was the time where he could say, you know what? I look at my life. I look at 30 years worth of life and I'm going to decide that I'm not only going to follow God, but I'm going to serve God. I call 30 kind of the get-to age rather than the have-to age. Can you imagine an 18, 20, 25-year-old being thrown in the temple and they had to serve God every day? You can imagine a 20-year-old trying to find their life saying, man, I have to go work at the church every day. You see, at 30, you don't have to, you get to. You get to have tried so many other things in life, and then you get to say, you know what? After trying everything, I choose this. Some of you in here have not celebrated your symbolic 30 yet. Some of you are here today, you know why? Because you always go to church, it's Sunday. Your mom and dad raised you in church, their grandma and grandpa raised them in church. Church is your thing because it was their thing, but you've never stopped to break away from your past and say, am I, if I'm the only person ever in my family or my future who chooses Jesus, will I choose Jesus just because, is it my thing? Is it my symbolic 30? And some of you are in here and you never go to church. You know why? Just because you've never gone to church. It's not that you've even thought about it or made that choice for yourself. You just, you've never done it, so you don't do it. And your symbolic 30 hasn't happened yet where you've stopped to say, wait a minute, am I created by God for God and do I want to connect to God? The symbolic 30 is the right time to say, I'm going to choose to stand on my own two feet spiritually. It's the right time. Now, I like to say that I grew up in the 90s, but really I'm a child of the 80s. I was born in 1978 when I told my student ministry that se several years ago, I had a kid say, did you fight in Vietnam? And I'm like, no, stupid. I'm not that old. I, you know, it's like, not that if you fought in Vietnam, you're old. I did not mean that like at all. It was like, no, I, I think it was over by the time I was born. But I was raised in the 80s. 
And in the 80s, there were a lot of influential things that happened in my life, right? Just going through school, you're influenced by great people who do great things. And some of those great people gave great speeches. I remember at a young age being influenced by Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address speech and learning that in elementary school as he stood before the bloodiest battle of the Civil War and tried to unite a nation, a timeless speech carved in the Lincoln Memorial today. I remember learning about Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, this great civil rights leader who stood before the country, and he said, I have a dream that we can come together and things can be different. And then there was Mikey Walsh's speak. Mikey Walsh was not a president. (laughs) Mikey Walsh was not a civil rights leader. He was a goonie. And Mikey and his friends were getting ready to have their neighborhood torn down by some contractors who wanted to build a golf course. And they went on this epic treasure hunt together. And they ended up in the bottom of a wishing well. And his friends were getting ready to give up on this treasure hunt to save the goondocks. And Mikey stepped in, little Mikey. He took a a hit off of his asthma pipe, you know, and he said, guys. And he began to speak to them. He said, guys, next time you see a different sky, uh, next time you see the sky, guys, it's going to be over a different town. Guys, don't you realize next time you take a test, it's going to be at a different school. And he's like, out there, up there, that's our parents' time, and they've got to do what they've got to do. But he's like, in here, this is our time. Right here, this is our time. You know, I think about that little speech that I heard him make, and here's the reality. Outside this auditorium today, I don't know what's going on, and I'm not responsible to speak into everything that everyone does. But is it possible that in here, that God brought some people in here today Because it's our time to step into connecting to who Jesus is. You see, when you hit your symbolic 30, you realize you were created by God for a special purpose. And now is the time to step into it. You never realize that without stepping into it. So once you realize it, you begin to walk into that. I hope today is the right time. And I hope today, number two, is the right place. Look at Luke 4.16. We see Jesus, this was the right time for him, but he was in the right place. It says, Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read. Basically, Luke says he went home and he went to church where he'd grown up in church. But this was his first message. And what's interesting is so many of his spiritual first happened in Jerusalem, which was about 70 miles south. He was dedicated as a baby when he was eight days old in Jerusalem. He, when he was 12 years old, got left behind in the temple trying to learn some spiritual things for himself in Jerusalem. When he was 13, there's no question he celebrated his bar mitzvah like every other Orthodox Jewish boy in Jerusalem by marching to the temple to read the Torah and and his prayers for the first time. Uh, He was baptized just outside of Jerusalem, down the road in Jericho. His wilderness temptation was between Jerusalem and Jericho. Like Jerusalem was his spiritual past and it was strong, but Nazareth was home. And some of you are still living in or running from your Jerusalem, your spiritual past. When you look at the spiritual movement in your life, it all happened in the past. And maybe it was good and you just drifted away from it, or maybe it was really bad and you ran away from it, but you're still drifting and you're still running. And when you think of spiritual things, you connect to Jerusalem, whatever your spiritual past is, whatever your denomination is, whatever church camp your parents forced you to go to. You look back to your Jerusalem and you say, all the spiritual stuff's back there. You know, it's not really for here and now. But Nazareth wasn't just Jesus' hometown, and Jesus didn't just go to Nazareth. He's come to Lee Summit. Jesus doesn't just meet us in our past. He meets us in our present, and he wants to be a part of our current and future life. I don't know what you're running from. 
I don't know what you're drifting away from, but today you're in Lee Summit. And let me ask you, is it a coincidence that you live here and that you know someone who goes to church here or you got a postcard in the mail or somebody gave you a, a, a little note card inviting you? Is it a coincidence that you live here at this time and that this church was put here in this place? One of my favorite authors, pastors, teachers is Dr. Tim Keller. He pastors a church in New York City. And he said that the leading anthropologists, people who study humanity, he's just talking about people trying to figure out if everything happens by chance or if maybe there's some design of God in your life. He said that the leading anthropologists say that 95% of what sets the course of your life is entirely outside your control. The century that you were born in, the place that you were born in, who you were born to, the family you were raised in, the childhood environment you were brought up in, the physical stature that you have or don't have, the genetically hardwired talents and abilities that reside within you. Most circumstances that you ever find yourself in are all outside your control. But we're all here today at this time in this place. Is that just random coincidence? See, I believe it's more providential which means God has moved to bring you here, then coincidental, which means we just kind of all here by accidents. I believe it's providential that this church is here right here, right now, and that you're sitting here today. Malcolm Gladwell in his best-selling book, The Outlier, says when you look at the lives of Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, when you look at the lives of people who shape culture, he said they all have three things in common. They were born at the right time and in the right place. And there was some product that needed to be developed for a world who desperately needed it. And they came together and pushed through that Northern California in the late 60s, 70s and developing the the Microsoft and the Apples, right time, right place for the right cause. And in Luke chapter 4, that's where we see Jesus. He speaks a cause that I believe is still the right cause for our community and our church today. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, we see the cause of Jesus. I want you to hear this because some of you are going to wish he was here. Jesus' first sermon was two verses long. Some of you are thinking, man, I wish he could have come and spoken today because I'd be eating lunch right now at Chipotle. Um, his, His first message, two verses long. And here's his cause. Is this why I'm here? He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. That means this is my job. This is my goal. This is what I've been gifted to do. Jesus is saying, God sent me to do this. Here's my purpose and mission in life, to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, if you just tie all that together, the overriding theme of what Jesus said is he basically said, I've I've come to help broken people. I've come to help broken people. I've come to give good news to people who are sick of bad news every day, every week, every year, year after year. Jesus said, I've come, and I want you to know our church is here so that broken people who need good news will hear that in our community. Is there an area of your life that's broken today? I want you to think about that for a minute. Is there an area of your life you wish you could have fixed today or an area that's breaking, it's not broken yet, but you, you know it's going to if something miraculous doesn't happen? Chances are that there is. Are you tired of bad news all the time? Just want to turn your phone off, throw it away, quit answering emails, quit getting the bad news? Chances are you are. And guess what? You're not alone. When you look at Lee Summit and study the demographics of Lee Summit, just through the lens of how people are doing, do you know that the 100 people in Lee Summit that live around you 
that, that the statistics about them tell us that they're hurting, that they're broken, that they need healing. Let me tell you what the demographics say about our community. If you live in Lee Summit, the 25 houses you drive by every day on your way to work and you drive by on your way back home, do you know of the 100 people that live around you, eight have just lost their job? Seven are alcoholics. 16 have no idea how they're going to pay their bills this month. 46 can't pay their minimum payment on their credit card this month. 13 are one month behind on their mortgage. 29 are upside down on their mortgage. What about the divorce statistics? The greatest cause of divorce is financial stress. There's a lot of that in our community. 34% of the people in our community of the 100 that live around you have been divorced. Seven struggle with depression that's so severe that they've attempted suicide, the 100 people that live around you. Four have cancer. Three are grieving the loss of a loved one today. Fourteen have severe anxiety. Eighty don't attend church anywhere, and sixty don't know Jesus. Do you think this community needs healing? Do you think this community needs hope? So often we keep the message of Jesus inside the church when those who need it the most are the people whose houses we drive by on the way to church. You see, Jesus came to help spiritually hurting people who'd been broken by life. Jesus came to save spiritually dying and spiritually dead people who needed some good news about their life and their future life. And you need to understand the cause of Jesus has become the cause of journey. What we want to do is we want to help announce the cause of Jesus to the people in our community who need the ministry and the love and the forgiveness and the healing of Jesus. Next year at our church, we're calling 2017 Fully Alive because I believe when you connect your life to Jesus, wherever you are, that you're more fully alive in your life, living with Jesus at your side. So we'll begin the year with a series called Mood Swingers, focusing on emotional health because we have some people that if they could just finally get emotionally strong, they could make all the other hard decisions that they're waiting on. We then turn into a marriage series called Better Together because so many people whose marriages aren't broken are breaking and they need to know how to hold it together. We come out of Easter with a series called Family Strong, teaching families how to set boundaries and guidelines and goals to let them be the family that they dreamed they would be when they welcomed that first little child in the hospital room one day or one night. We move into the summer with a series called Old Time Religion, and we're going to study the creeds of the faith, and we're going to sing the great hymns of the church every Sunday at our church in the summer. We move into the school year with a series called Fearless, where we teach our kids and our families who are sick of living in fear how to live with courage. Then we wrap up the fall with a series called Whispers, how we teach people to hear the voice of God. So at that time when you're sitting at that stoplight, and you're thinking, God, what am I supposed to do? You know how to get the answer to that question. You see, we believe when people connect their life to the ministry and mission of Jesus, they live fully alive. But let me ask you a question. You say, I I, I don't need that. Let me ask you, are you you broken or breaking emotionally today? Do you feel like you're not going to hold up? Jesus can help you. Is your marriage broken or breaking, fractured, stress strained? Jesus can help you. Is your family life so stressful that you only see each other coming and going and you wish there was another way? Jesus can help you. Are you tired of living in fear every time the phone rings, every time the alarm goes off, wondering what's out there? Jesus can help you. Do you need God to show up in your life and just tell you what your future is supposed to look like if you lean into him? Jesus can help you. 
And it all starts next month at our church as we look at the four main causes of Jesus' ministry. Who does Jesus want us to be as a church in this community? Number one, he wants us to fulfill the great commandment. He wants us to love God and people the way we were created to love God and love people. He wants us to live by the great compassion, which means he wants us to learn how to serve and help people who need to be served and who need help. You know, in the last five years, our church has served thousands of hours of community service in our community, helping people that just need help. Do you know our church has bought thousands of Christmas gifts the last five years to give to families in our community who would not have Christmas if somebody didn't say, I'll provide it this year on your behalf and you can give it to your children. You know, last year our church packed more than 250 backpacks and distributed them to local elementary schools whose principal said, we've got students who don't have school supplies. We don't want them to be embarrassed. So we packed up backpacks without the words Journey Church International on them with Batman and Wonder Woman and older ones for older kids. And we sent them to schools and they told those kids, you've got a backpack filled with all your school supplies. Don't worry about it. Just come pick it up because we want to serve this community. In 2017, we're planning a week called Love Week where we're going to try as a church together to serve more than 5,000 hours of community service in a seven-day period because we just want to love and serve our community and the people who help our community. You know, our church has given away nearly $550,000 since we started five years ago. Every time we take an offering, we give an offering to people in Lee Summit, people in downtown Kansas City, church planning organizations that are starting churches like ours to help people and in global missions. And do you want to know how much our church loves this community and wants them to feel free to know about Jesus? Two years ago, we kicked off a campaign to build this church. And our church pledged a substantial amount of money. And here's what I told our church. The day we move in our building, we're going to quit talking about money. Because the new people who come to our church don't need to pay for this. If we want a building, it's going to be for our community. And when we move in, we're done taking offerings. So if we give, great. If we can't, we'll stay in the school. Our people pledged. And they gave more than 95% of what they pledged as a church. Our banker this week emailed us and said, we've not seen a church give that high of a percentage of their pledges since the recession nearly 10 years ago. Your church is so generous. You know why they did that? So yeah, and you can put your hands together for that. They did that to serve you. If you're brand new, they did that so you could come here and not have to ever worry about giving money while you just kind of figure out what's going on in your life spiritually. Because we want to serve and help people. We believe in the Great Commission, which is reaching and teaching people how to connect and follow Jesus around the world. That's what we're really passionate about. You know, since our church began, 962 people have made spiritual decisions to connect to Jesus. Some of those who had never been in church before and would never consider themselves a Christian. And some of these 962 are one person who's made 10 or 12 different decisions because they say yes to Jesus and then they kind of fall away. Then they say yes to Jesus and they fall away. And we tell them, just keep coming back. We exist to connect you to Jesus. No matter how many times it takes... Keep connecting your life to Jesus. We've baptized 257 people that have stood in front of our church, shared their story of this is who Jesus is to me, and here's why I'm getting baptized. 57 families that have brought their babies and said, we want our family together to know who God is, so they've dedicated their children. And 136 people who've got a passport, got on a plane, and left the United States of America to go minister in every place from India to Kenya to South Africa to Guatemala and beyond so we could help people understand how to connect and follow Jesus. But my favorite cause of Jesus is his church. Because by implementing his church, Jesus said you get to do it together. 
You don't have to do Christianity alone. You don't have to live your spiritual life alone. You don't have to go through your hurt alone. You don't have to heal by yourself. The cool thing about the church is we get to do it together. And I want you to know today that we want to invite you to join our cause and help us do these things. We want you to become a part of God's church at Journey Church so you can help us serve and teach and heal a broken community. And for some of you, that was not the intention of your visit today. But I hope it's the result. Some of you said, I'm going to go in, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to do the church thing that I've done a hundred times, I'm going to walk out and I'll never go back. You, you plan kind of to come have a cup of coffee and leave and go away, but God has been whispering in your spirit, there's something more to this, and if you would stay, it just gets better. You're like Krista, who I read about several months ago from Traverse City, Michigan. Krista was born in the cherry tree capital of the world. Traverse City, Michigan is at the very tip of Michigan. A little small farming town up there known for its cherry trees, but she never felt like she fit in. She just had a streak in her that was different. She never felt like the small town was for her, so she tried to stand out, piercing after piercing, tattoo after tattoo. And every time she got pierced or tattooed, she stood out a little more, and she felt like the people treated her a little worse. And her and her family, man, they just went at it because of the struggle that they were having just to communicate and live together. And one day, things blew up. They yelled at each other. Mom and dad yelled at her. She yelled at mom and dad. And as she left the house, she yelled, I hate you, and slammed the door and went to the bus station and got on a bus to head to Detroit. When she got to Detroit alone, without any money, not knowing anybody, she was on the street a day or two before she met what she described as the nicest man that she'd ever met. He wore nicer clothes than anyone that she'd ever met. He drove a nicer car than anyone she'd ever met. He took her to nicer restaurants than she'd ever eaten at. And he became her source of life in Detroit. Eventually, she started doing drugs with him. And once she got addicted to these drugs, he sent her to the streets to work for him to feed her drug habit. And at first, things went great. She brought in a lot of money. She brought in a lot of work for this guy because she was a new girl from a small town on the streets of Detroit. But after a few years, she'd grown older. She'd grown tired. She'd grown broken. She wasn't bringing in the business that she was used to bringing in. So the guy kicked her out on the streets with a drug habit she couldn't support, with a life that she was ashamed of, with a heart that was absolutely bruised and broken. And as she sat on the street, she thought, man, what am I going to do? And she thought about those cherry trees that lined the field after field after field in her town. And she said, I just need to go someplace like that. I can't go home, but I want to go someplace like that. So she went to the bus station and she bought a bus ticket to Canada. And she said, I'm going to go to some small town where no one knows me. No one knows who I am or what I've been through. And I'm just going to kind of start my life over in this small place as a new person. And as she bought her bus ticket and looked at the bus routing, she realized that the last stop in America before she would hit the Canadian border was Traverse City, Michigan. And she had a thought cross through her mind. She thought, I should call my parents and tell them that I'm stopping by. But it had been years since she talked to them. The last words they had communicated were the words, I hate you. And she hadn't talked to them in years. And anyway, the bus stop was going to be at midnight for 15 minutes. So she felt silly for thinking of it. She went and took her seat. And while she waited for the bus to get ready to leave, she just kept thinking about, I should call mom and dad and tell them I'm coming. I should call mom and dad and tell them I'm coming. So as the bus got ready to board, final call, heading to wherever she was going in Canada. 
She went to a payphone. She picked up the phone, very nervously dialed her mom and dad's number. When she got voicemail, she was very thankful. And she just said, hey, mom and dad, it's Krista. I'm headed to Canada, but my bus stops in Traverse City tonight for 15 minutes at midnight. If you want to say hi or grab a cup of coffee, I'll be there. She hung up the phone and instantly felt shame, felt fear, felt regret because she realized she just triggered something that to her could finalize never seeing her parents again. As she rode the bus from Detroit to Traverse City, she thought, what if they don't show up? What if they show up and they're mad? What if they don't get the message, but I thought they got the message and don't come? Will I ever see my parents again? And she was just kind of in knots as they traveled north to Canada. And about midnight, they rolled into Traverse City, Michigan. The guy came over the bus speaker and he said, 15 minutes and we'll head on to our next place. And everyone unloaded the bus, and she sat on the bus by herself, scared, alone, hoping for the best, but really thinking the worst. And as she got off the bus, she thought, what if they're not here? What if they're here and they're mad? They just thoughts kept rolling in her head. And as she rounded the terminal of the building, there was a huge banner hanging out front that said, welcome home, Krista. Her parents had called every family member and friend and former classmate and aunt and uncle and cousin. And there were dozens of people there at midnight with stupid little party hats on and streamers and a big cake that said, welcome home, Krista. And as she rounded the corner, she just dropped to her knees crying. And her dad broke out of that crowd and ran to her and he got on his knees beside her and hugged her neck. He said, welcome home, Krista. We're so glad you're back. Welcome home. We're so glad you're back. Maybe you plan to just stop in today to have a cup of coffee and go on about your life. But I'm telling you, if I knew your name and I knew you were coming, I would have made a banner for you that said, Welcome home. I'd have had a cake for you. We'd have worn stupid little hats if it would have worked. Because we have built this building so people in this community who are just passing by can stop and find their spiritual home. I hope today's the right time, in the right place, with the right cause for you, because I believe this morning the Father is running towards you with open arms, and all he wants to do is hug your neck and say, welcome home, I'm so glad you're here. Would you pray with me this morning?